0: Hey, this is Higher Peaks. This podcast is supported by our listeners on Patreon. There you can become a patron with options of bonus content, including behind-the-scenes posts, messages, pics, shorts, raw, unedited content, and even full episodes. You can influence future shows, have voting power, get exclusive rewards, and have patron-only giveaways. See full details on our page at patreon.com slash organrooted. Enjoy the show.
1: We're entering a weird situation in the United States particularly, where we're all so disconnected from reality that um, we don't really know what's going on, and it just makes it so easy for anyone to slip in a narrative, um, and usually those narratives are meant to make us afraid, because then it's also very easy to manipulate behavior when people are afraid.
0: Absolutely. Welcome to Oregon Rooted. I'm Higher Peaks.
2: And this is Lady Sativa.
0: You're listening to The Dirt Show,
2: where we bring you Oregon's cannabis culture.
0: To the Dirt Show on Higher Peaks,
2: and this is Lady Sativa,
0: and we are coming to the end of the season uh, in terms of this harvest and summer.
2: I am a little sad about summer being at the end. We do still have to go rafting.
0: We do. So more than that. <laughs> <laughs> but I've been, you've been busy at work. Um, I've been busy in the garden mm-hmm. uh, in full bloom. All of them, obviously, we're we're there. Uh, good. Yeah, there's a couple that we have our wedding cake that is a cross with wedding cake times a plumberry kush mm-hmm. it seems to be wanting to just get done yeah uh it's well on its way and it's it really smells good you were saying when you were trimming it back because we gave all our plants the final trim yes basically i mean we still got a little bit to go but oh
2: no i'm still gonna work on them
0: well but i mean we're 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 you can't getting... stop me <laughs> so
2: nice try buddy
0: <laughs> so what I do like the fact that this year we actually have everything clean like it should be. Yes. And it's going to be much easier on the back end when it comes to we uh, got out there and gearing. defoliated. <laughs> so that's good. Uh, but nonetheless, most of it's done and everything's looking good. So yes. uh, <laughs> uh, I talked to JB and he really likes that uh, Blissful Wizard that we have hell yeah he's like paul he wants to know how much our packs are gonna be <laughs> fifty dollars depends on who's asking i can see him coming knocking on the door about his uh you know his vig for it His little 25 dollar. <laughs> i gotta give him his his cut right <laughs> do you see that he i saw he posted that uh he got some the gold triangles uh-huh with the gold flakes yeah where's that from what's up we're only getting red
2: no, huh? It was the same exact stuff. I know. I'm just joking. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, you got it from the same place. <laughs> JB
0: got a little chunk of it.
2: Yeah, he did. Yeah. So. Said something about camp, and I was uh, at work when I saw that pop up.
0: I know, but why?
2: Wh- wh- he already got a spot
0: like two weeks ago or something? Probably. Like he I probably
2: said, has a spot he goes. Yeah. It's JB we're talking about. So,
0: so we got <laughs> getting back to our stuff. We have to get it covered. We have to get it covered. I don't want any rain to touch it this year. I hate no, to say that. not at all. But, you know, we'll see what happens. Uh, but our structure's Looks up.
2: like we have this weekend open.
0: <laughs> oh, right, right. You know, we've been experimenting with the actual SID, as you put it. Yep. The, the red triangles.
2: Mm-hmm. Or, or uh, windows pyramids. Yeah. <laughs> Window panes. It's going well, though. Yes, it was fun yeah so we have a little you have a little episode that you're going to work on to put out
0: oh from yeah that's for patrons oh yeah patrons only
2: yep well either way
0: yeah and they're going to be able to hear about we'll entice you on
2: here with what's going to be on there it's going to be one of our literal trips we recorded uh on the way there and then uh a little bit after we were high um we talked about what we did we should have recorded when we were high Next time we will. But uh, we need to figure out a way that we need to just hook ourselves
0: up to something rather than. The problem is, is when you get really into it. Yeah. There's a little bit of time that you're
2: not inebriated. Like you're you're fine. But really, I don't. I, I don't, don't want have to concentrate
1: comp- on yeah. turning
2: on a fucking recorder and talking have, and like, have, hey, this is how I feel. Have you seen that? Look at this. Yeah, And it's, it's one of those things. It's just going to take away from the moment. So sure. recording before and recording after is probably best well right now or like a little bit during Until like oh my god i wish we were still recording on the way up to the cemetery though i don't get what was going on there but anyways <laughs> well when you said that he was strong in all the or he no, was you said muscular he, in all the wrong places they,
0: i think you said something like he was buff and all <laughs> oh
2: buff that's right
0: <laughs> <laughs> now if anybody out there has seen netflix and watched Uh, Umbrella Academy,
2: yeah, Luther, Luther, number one. Now that's close. It was like the top portion (laughs) of Luther and the bottom portion of he missed far too many leg days and he looks like he is a toddler, and then he looked like he got beat the fuck up. Now this in the midst of a acid trip on the way to the
0: cemetery. So we, you know, this is
2: (laughs) we need an app that records.
0: I didn't have my GoPro handy. Well, nonetheless, it uh it was a strange thing. It was, and, uh, and Patreon <laughs> members are gonna be able to hear that. So yeah. Uh but nonetheless, trying to get back to the garden.
2: Okay. <laughs> I digress.
0: Yeah. Uh so we gotta get it covered and it's going to be uh real close to harvest with mm-hmm. the wedding cake. Yep. And we got a sour V. <clears throat> which yep. is crossed with the plumberry kush and i don't know if you smell that one but that's right behind it um, so i'm I thinking think like i that. did
2: i smelled the ones my face were all up in
0: i think i think that's like first of october okay hell yeah and then we've looked at your skittles all right and i've been
2: all up in that that thing is
0: beautiful it's got like 75 million tops or something yeah something like that <laughs> which is cool uh we did really good and it's gonna be nice hell so yeah all right, it let's has move on. been
2: confirmed and I have smoked it myself. The same cut of Skittles. The same
0: cut and it was, oh, this is from Indoor.
2: This was from Indoor and it was half the size of ours. Nice. So we have double the amount uh, than, than Jesse had with hers. Okay. Because she, when she had put it inside, of course, it started budding and so, or started going into flour. And yeah. so she just. But she only
0: got a couple ounces, right?
2: She got two ounces out of it. Yeah. We're going to get like. We're going to get at least a pound. Nah, yeah. three quarters maybe three quarters we're gonna get a pound nah. i'm gonna make sure those heads get real big i'm gonna go out there and pump it full of steroids all right all right
0: <laughs> <laughs> so uh let's get into it uh i just organic wanna, steroids organic well organic chemistry shout out to kegro solutions <laughs> it's doing really well actually everything's fine like i just keep doing this doing the same thing everything's fine uh we've gotten down to our last little like i said trim and everything's fine Mm -hmm. Uh, so we're just gonna keep moving forward here's the deal i did notice this i did use uh quite a bit of uh the one shot from um nectar for the gods Mm -hmm. and i'll be honest it really and i should have known this but because it's organic and stuff it did lower the ph down to the fives and so i've dealt with that a little bit Mm -hmm. uh in terms of bringing it up you saw me i was like bitching because i was doing a slurry test i was running you know a slurry test on the soil yeah and i'm getting like five 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 six and i'm sweating and everything so i had to raise all the ph up and so i should have known that because of the organic part and i knew it would happen because it was a slow release even a slow release though is you know it it still will lower the ph in places so anyway i want to throw this at you here's the deal first First news, uh, Oregon marijuana sales break another record amid coronavirus.
2: Fuck yeah, we did. (laughs) We did that.
0: Read it, bitches. Uh, I, I don't know what to say. It says Oregon broke its record for marijuana sales in July. Another example of how the industry isn't just weathering the coronavirus pandemic. It's thriving.
2: It's thriving, which this is why you people that come in and bitch at me because the prices are $16 for a fucking gram. Get over it. We don't have the choice. You don't need to chew us out because the prices are going up now. Didn't
0: we warn them on the last it's step? It's
2: called inflation. <laughs> or or shortage. Yeah. And let's just say it is not the farms that we're setting these prices. Well,
0: you said. It started with people. We we talked about this last time. You said it was going to go up.
2: Yeah, I said it was going to go up, and then it has been confirmed. It's gone up four to six hundred dollars per pound.
0: So that's why the sixteen.
2: So that's why the sixteen. We no longer have a, a six dollar price out the door. Yeah, like our lowest is eight dollars. Our lowest quarter is four dollars forty dollars for a quarter, and you then. Know, the highest is $100 for a quarter.
0: You know, compared to some states, that's pretty good.
2: Yes. And you know what? Compared to some Medford places, that's pretty fucking good. Because $24 a gram, imagine that for a, a quarter.
0: Yeah. See, that's, you know, I if you're above black market, you know, you can shove that up your ass.
2: Yeah. And it's like $24 for grams around Medford.
0: Right. 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 I Like I...
2: Deschutes Grocery. actually up at. Uh Canopy, sure. It's twenty four dollars yeah. out the door. Oh, that hurts. I don't like that. That hurts. It's like you know what? No, no weed is that good. No, no weed is that good. And we are never going to set our prices for something out the door like that. We care too much about our people.
0: Sure. So it says last month, the state saw about one hundred six million in medical and recreational cannabis Fuck sales. Yeah, one hundred six mil. Marketing, or excuse me, marking the third month in a row that sales exceeded a hundred million. That's according to a recent report from the Oregon Liquor Control Commission, OLCC, yeah. The regulatory agency also broke down sales data based on types of marijuana products sold and found that cannabis flower purchases have especially spiked during the COVID-19 outbreak. Yes, yes, they have. In February, there was just under 400, or excuse me, 40 million in flower sales, but that climbed to nearly 65 million in July. So there you have it. I don't know what to say. It's
2: not to brag or anything, but we have the largest selection in the family.
0: Well, and it's, <laughs> plug, 48. plug.
2: For, 42 strains. <laughs> Just it's saying. better than 38 flavors. By the way, only two of them are sun-grown. Only one of them is oh, greenhouse. Real, brutal, brutal, <laughs> brutal, Flower, though. Hey. All the rest of them are indoor.
0: $16
2: a gram. They're not all 16.
0: All right, well, I know you got something interesting over there.
2: Okay. In a new documentary, former President Jimmy Carter... Talks about the time his son smoked marijuana on the roof of the White House with the musician Willie Nelson. Wait a second. We've read the flip of this one before.
0: I was going to say, we've already read the whole
2: Willie Nelson. Yeah, we've read the Willie Nelson one. And we also have the book that's on my Kindle that we still need to finish reading, of Willie Nelson's documentary that he wrote. Right.
0: Yeah. And so this is like an extension of it.
2: Yeah, this is an extension. So this is a documentary on the flip side of it of Jimmy Carter's son, smoking with Willie Nelson. sure that's awesome go ahead all right a mexican senator decided to decorate her desk in the chamber with a cannabis plant as lawmakers reconvened for new session in which a bill to legalize marijuana is set to be enacted
0: think that it's a beautiful plant like right now we're decorated with one too yep uh it's a male
2: uh it's dead I was checking that out when we were doing meditation yeah, I don't, and yoga. I'm I don't like, think it's this is dead. I, did you did you see the bottom leaves are brown? I know. Well, it's going like away. Like crispy brown, not yeah, like out well, out out there on those. It's plants. on its last
0: leg. Let's put it that way. But it's still decoration.
2: And then our daughter decided to smack it with the fucking fly swatter the other <sighs> oh, day. Right. Remember that? Yeah, yeah. And oh, all well. of a sudden, you see pollen pollinating our fucking living room where, rather than going on the tinfoil.
0: Now, I just want to ask back on that one story, like, what was the details like? Uh, What was he doing? Just chilling up there? Uh, In
2: the 1988 book, Nelson described sitting on the roof of the White House in Washington, D.C. late at night with a beer in one hand and a fat Austin torpedo in the other. My companion on the roof was pointing out to me the sights and la- layout of how the streets run in Washington, he wrote, being uncoy about who he was with. I let the weed cover me with a pleasing cloud. I guess the roof of the White House is the safest place to smoke dope. It was later revealed that the 1978 cannabis session on top of the executive mansion involved first son Chip Carter. Getting stoned on the roof of the White House, you can't help but turn inward, Nelson wrote in his subsequent 2015 book. Certain philosophical questions come to mind, like, how the fuck did I get here? Mm-hmm. During his time in office, Carter spoke in favor of decriminalizing marijuana possession and replacing criminal penalties with civil fines, but he was not able to get the policy changed, enacted. Penal- penalties against possession of a drug should not be more damaging to an individual than the use of the drug itself, he said in 1977, adding the marijuana sale should still be strictly criminalized. Under his administration, the compassionate investigational new drug was established, providing select patients suffering from the certain conditions.
0: When Willie Nelson wrote his autobiography, he confessed that he smoked pot in the White House, and he says that his companion was one of the servants of the White House. Carter said, as Celeb Stoner first reported, it actually was one of my sons. <laughs> so that's really cool. <laughs> See, that's it's, See that's the other part of the story on that one.
2: Yeah. This is cool. It says, In a trailer release that last week, Carter is shown talking about his relationship with the music industry, including his friendship with artists like Nelson and Bob Dylan. At one point, he mentions how Nelson, a cannabis culture icon, disclosed in a biography that he smoked marijuana during a trip to the White House. Yeah. It doesn't say why they went on the roof. It doesn't. It's probably just the like The only said. safe place. What the fuck would you want to do?
0: I don't know if you're in the White House be like and here's the deal
2: I don't feel safe smoking anywhere in this fucking house because (laughs) let's go up on the roof yeah yeah I don't even want to smoke in the back I'm sure that there's people that would take pictures come on like it's honestly yes the safest place to do it Uh no because yes you get you could get busted for it but it's like other people could smell it it's not like you're the only person in the fucking White House right right You're not King Tut, okay? You don't get the whole fucking (laughs) place yourself. Dismiss your servants. Can you
0: imagine anybody in the White House now or even Trump going up and smoking weed? Don't get started. (laughs) Just, (laughs) Hey, hey, let's move on. Let's
2: just not talk about he who shall not be named.
0: (laughs) A study found no significant differences in pedestrian-involved fatal motor vehicle crashes between legalized cannabis states and control states following medical or recreational cannabis legalization. You know why? I think that overall, I think a lot of people that get high don't really want to go as fast as people that are drunk. No, no. Or at least do the things that people want to do when they're drunk.
2: No. Have you ever heard
0: of canaflavones? Yes. A review concluded that canflavins demonstrate a number of promising therapeutic properties, most notably an anti-inflammatory agent. There's so many things they're finding in cannabis right now besides just that, like flavonoids and not just terpenes. Yeah. And so it's, I, I think they're going to continue to find things.
2: Well, and what's cool is there's also products that are coming out with, uh, we have like a one to one to one, which is a THC CBD and CBN. Mm-hmm. So it's specifically for sleep. Um, and then we have is that an one, extract. No, it's a, it's, a, a gummy. So it's a pearl. So well, the it, yeah, grown so pearls and they use, concentrate. I think they do use from concentrate. Yes. Um, they don't use butter, of course, with their gummies, but they do, I think, use butter with their chocolates. Um, but anyways, they have that one. And then they also have the two to one, which is two CBN to one THC. So 50 milligrams of THC to like 100 and some odd of, of, of CBD or CBN. Mm-hmm. so it's straight for sleep so it's it's pretty cool product like I push it on people a lot especially when they're like oh I need something for sleep I'll be like this right here is specifically for that
0: now do you find that a lot of people I mean is that <clears throat> the top when it comes to all that kind of stuff is that the top request is sleep no because it seems like a lot of the main side effect of a lot of this stuff is going to be sleeping or lethargy no
2: I actually have a guy that comes in for his wife that she enjoys, she will get mango hemp CBD ones because Mm -hmm. she plays tennis and she gets a one-to-one. So she'll take one gummy of the one-to-one and then she'll take one of the hemp Mm -hmm. mango, actually two of the hemp mango. So she has like a very large amount of CBD right? and then like five milligrams of THC. Mm Mm-hmm. So she takes that every time she plays tennis and it helps her loosen up so she can play tennis and not hurt. Mm-hmm. So she takes it for that. Um, she doesn't want anything that puts her to sleep. So um, we we have a couple people that, you know, will come in just to get fucked up. They'll oh. tell you, I just want to get high. OK, whatever you want. Here it is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so you know they're just a variety of stuff like we have all sorts of different patients in there we have one shout out to one of my favorites his name is scott and he is actually passing away from cancer because he's got pancreatic cancer and um, we take good care of him
0: one thing i didn't realize when we first in 2015 when we decided to like dive headfirst into this when you decided to get your job and Mm -hmm. and we're doing the podcast um one thing I didn't realize is that is one thing that's really dominant in the culture and industry is really is people with cancer and people dying of cancer. Yes. We've seen at least one hand worth of people die of cancer. We've had right from the beginning, we've had a listener die from cancer. We've had your friends die from cancer. We've had now people from you know, customers are going to die from cancer. It's just something that's really that's one have thing that's customers actually. That yeah, have that's cancer. one thing that's tough about tough about the industry is that um, cancer is dominant and in, in terms of yeah. like a a, a a real medical issue. And so, it really
2: is an issue also with uh, oncologists. Yeah, it really is. Like it's sad to say, but um, there are certain oncologists that. Do not want their patients to have any sort of THC when it comes to cannabis. They uh, try to push hemp CBD, and it's like hemp CBD is cool, cool, but you need that THC to activate it. You need that THC present. Mm. You need that THC to also help with the tumor fighting, you know cannabinoids like you need those together
0: yeah and we i even talked with green earth medicinals and and we did talk a, a, in a short portion there where it was yes you do thc is ultimately mixed with everything else like that. that is a huge part of it i think people know that by now it's just that a lot um, of
2: people are still misled about it it's sad well
0: misled and also to cbd has been able to get into Uh, doctor's offices and stuff like that whereas like you just said you just pointed out thc can't or hasn't
2: so speaking of this it says a review concluded that cannabinoids individually or combined reduced tumor growth and promoted apoptosis apoptosis good job and autophagy in melanoma cells
0: yeah yeah i think the key word there is like just the whole
2: reduced tumor growth
0: I want to mention here that uh, Berkeley Foundation is conducting a survey on psychedelics as pain management options with a particular focus on mycodosing. I'm not going to go into the article, but what it says is basically and I'll tell you this from our last few experiences with acid. Like, let me tell you, like there is a significant reduction in pain for me.
2: Yeah, I would have to say I, I, w- I would have to agree with that.
0: I mean, he, he kind of paused there, which, you know,
2: I, I had know. to think about
0: it. But for me, like I, I, it, it, for me, it's, it would be, it's at least as good as taking a bunch of ibuprofen or maybe a pain pill or something like that. Yeah, and it really interests me because every time we do it, that's one of the things I look forward to. Actually, is I'm, like, I'm like pain relief. Oh, oh yeah, the next during, ten. Oh yeah, the next ten to twelve hours, I'm gonna be legit, right?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: As far as pain. Well, this is the thing. The study here is, or a survey, is that it mentions that they want to find, because there's already studies showing that it does help pain. Psychedelics do. And uh, what this is doing is trying to find that threshold of where you don't have a full trip, but you get apparently that body high, I would assume, because that body high for me is what takes the pain away. Right. And, I mean, what a great place to be, because as you know, that body high is like, laying on a pillow right like right. you're just like oh my gosh it's just aha
2: mm-hmm.
0: so uh you know hey i i i hope that they find that spot but you know here's my opinion is that they're not going to find that because it's all individual right what you here's the deal every time me and you go through the same dose psychedelic experience you experience a lot of different things than i do you like this last time or a couple times now you've ex- experienced tracers yep for me, none. Right. But like when I was on that beach, like that whole beach looked like a, a freaking puzzle. Like but you've
2: it, never fried at night too.
0: Well, but we were on the same dose at the same time period and you were seeing those tracers at night. And I it wasn't, was still
2: affecting me a little bit more than it was you. Like, right. That's my point. Yeah. My point. So
0: yeah. I don't know how you're going to find that threshold where it's for the general mass, where it's a body high and not, see what I'm saying? Because mm-hmm. people are going to be sensitive to it. Some people won't be. You see what I'm saying? I don't know. That's my theory. <laughs> Is there not? It's gonna be hard to find that threshold. Yeah. I do have uh, a couple things going up on Patreon. I have two, two actually full episodes from both, and I've been saving these from Ram from uh, Funk Extracts, mm-hmm. JD Short from Second Gen, and I know people want to hear those, but they're behind the scenes episodes. So I'm gonna drop those.
2: What about Lesson Jake?
0: What? I should drop that on there too, huh? Yeah. Yeah. And I still got your video to drop on Patreon for everybody.
2: Well, I'm waiting for that to get done. Woo.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so I sat down with Jason Wilson. Mhm. And everybody knows he's curious about cannabis. If you don't know, you're probably a new listener. Welcome aboard. But so if you if, don't
2: know, now you know.
0: Yeah, if you've been around for a while, which there's a there's a few, you know, uh, you know who he is. And I sat down and talked to him about some crazy things. Like we talked about, we talked about ketamine. <laughs> we talked about, we talked about pine resin and dabs. That was a that was uh, a good talk. That was a good but. talk. And we talked about the DEA getting involved with
2: dia who's dia
0: yeah getting involved with this hemp uh thc bullshit where they're going to start uh cracking down on processors oh, you mean the
2: people who like to switch their hemp for their thc
0: that but they're <laughs> yeah they're cracking down on people the processors with the extracts and there's some certain things going on that we talk about nice. and so it's we talk about that weirdness we also talk about some 2020 stuff like we it, we go off in some crazy directions. Nice. But it was really nice. And he did release a second edition of his book. Nice. Here's Bet cannabis. cannabis. First book is great. Second edition apparently is going to go out to a couple colleges that are going to have some curriculum on that, which is cool. Nice. I think that's awesome. I couldn't even write a book if I wanted to. Right right no, i can no like, i can't here's the deal like
2: I've it's tried several times to sit down and like write about like my childhood yada yada as soon as i put pen to paper i forget about it or i can actually hand write it down and then i'm just like and then i'm like done well
0: <laughs> it's hard to structure it and the other thing too is these aren't like these books aren't these are like college textbook style. Mm-hmm. So it's all good factual information, but there's little side things. There's little work worksheets at the back if you want to check yourself. So like that's a lot of work. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't even know. I don't know how I could do that. Like I I, I got can't. a lot of brain power there. <clears throat> it took me when I was in college, I had to write. What was that? A five page? No, it was a 15 page page. Uh, uh,
2: Is that the one you wrote in your parking lot? No, no,
0: no, no, I was trying to graduate. I'll never forget that one. My last English class. Oh, your thesis, right? It was a 15-page, yeah, and uh, I did it, I didn't do anything on it until the last two days of the semester, (laughs) and I sat, remember? I sat right down there in the middle of the room for two days, eight hours, 10 hours a day, both days, sat right down there. You remember this? Mm -hmm. And I still turned it in and she says, my teacher says, oh, this isn't good. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, I see that you just did this. And I said, yeah, but I said, I just got to graduate. And she said, yeah. I said, but this isn't, you know, she knew what I did. And, you know, I wrote the body of it. The problem was is when I got to the bibliography. You and, like, just appendix, kept rambling, didn't you? No, the, um, like the credits, what do you call that? The Where you, uh, where you give your little credits to your where you got your information yeah that's all really structured and i it was really hard to get it right and so when i turned it in it was kind of hodgepodge on those parts but the body of it was beautiful i know how to talk and so but she gave me a c minus which
2: still graduated I, you
0: i went from a 4.0 to a 3.75 on that though that killed me So Jason Wilson from Curious About Cannabis, Oregon Love. Oregon Love. Stay rooted. All right. I'm sitting here with Jason Wilson from Curious About Cannabis. Welcome back, brother. Hey, thanks so much for having me back again. It's good to Uh, be here. Again. Uh, Yes, absolutely. You know you're going to be on here. Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I just want to bring up right now something exciting. You know, I saw that you put out your second book. Yeah. That is awesome. You know, people have been waiting for that. Can you explain uh, the book itself?
1: Sure. Yeah. So it's the Curious About Cannabis book. Um, it's the what just released is the second edition. The first edition came out in like 2018. Um, so it's been a couple of years. Um, and essentially what it is, it's designed to be a learning tool. So formally, I am a an educator um, and have taught in all sorts of forms. And so it's something I'm always focused on. So I wrote this book, not just as a basic, um, you know, summary of cannabis science and that sort of thing, but it, it's designed to be used to teach. So if there are people out there that teach classes on cannabis science, or if just someone likes to teach themselves and they're, you know, a lifelong learner and, and passionate about that, it's really designed for that kind of audience. It has, um, you know, questions to think about in it, uh, worksheets to fill out, to try to Practice what you've learned. Um, suggested activities. Um, this edition that wasn't in the first edition is I added a series of relatively simple kind of um, activities and science experiments because now that hemp is legal, people can actually get their hands on cannabis legally and play with it. So I wanted to really take advantage of that and um, you know encourage people like get some hemp flower and you know let's do some fun stuff with it to learn about the the science of the plant. And, um, yeah, so it's essentially a survey of cannabis science that covers, um, you know, cannabis uh, taxonomy. It actually starts out assuming that someone's kind of uh, new or naive to the industry. It actually starts out explaining what a lot of common kind of colloquial terms about cannabis mean so that people can, that are kind of from other backgrounds can interpret everything else that they read. If they've never heard of what a dab is, you know, that sort of thing (laughs) explains all of that kind of lingo. Um, but then it jumps into, you know, taxonomy, uh, where did the plant come from? How do we organize it? How many species of it are there? Does that even matter? What are land race strains, all that sort of stuff. And then it gets into botany and cultivation stuff. And one thing I point out, to people is that the book is uh, very light on cultivation information primarily because there are so many good books about growing out there that i didn't feel any need to recreate the wheel with that so the book itself when it comes to cultivation it provides some basic science you know uh, around cannabis cultivation but then it primarily just tries to point people to other really good books um you know some of like jorge cervantes uh, stuff other things but um Then it it gets into the chemistry of the plant, um, extraction science and technology, how labs test cannabis and the technologies they use for that. And then of course, um, a review on some of the medical research, um, how cannabis affects the body, both high THC varieties and high CBD varieties, um, potential risks, um, all that sort of stuff. And then the book kind of closes out looking ahead towards the future uh, You know, what are researchers kind of starting to focus on in um, looking at cannabis science? Where does the research seem to be going and what can we expect from the next five or 10 years? Um, Which is, you know, where my head's been at a lot. And um, the next season of the Curious About Cannabis podcast is actually going to have an episode focused on the future of cannabis and cannabinoid science research and a little uh, tagline I use from it. Like from back to the future is um uh, cannabis where we're going we won't need cannabis <laughs> uh, you know like with you think I, people pick that up um i don't know you know i throw in a lot of little weird nerdy references and a lot of stuff i do that uh, i don't know if people pick up or not but um i'm not
0: so sure if you're from the 80s man
1: yeah well i am all right well i mean i was born in the 80s okay. i didn't experience the 80s i mean i was i lived through two or three two years of the 80s but um a lot of the stuff i like is from the 80s 70s 60s stuff um so um yeah i mean one of the things i really wanted to get across in the book is that you know cannabis has been this gateway to learning so much about the body and the endocannabinoid system and all these things and where that's taking us is actually very far away from cannabis and that's not a bad thing there's always a place for cannabis but we're you know we're learning about cannabinoids and other organisms we're learning about chemicals that look an awful like lot like cannabinoids that we've never called cannabinoids before never tested them to see if they interact with cannabinoid receptors or uh the myriad of other receptors that are now considered part of the endocannabinoid system so um yeah in a nutshell that's basically what the book is and it the book also has You know, what I really try to point out in the book is it's the book is not about what I have to say about cannabis. It's trying to link people to quality, reliable information. And so I really try to push people to like pay attention to the sources, go like look through the citations and look some of that stuff up. Um, I also have lists of recommended resources that I like that I'm aware of. I know there's a lot of others that people would probably recommend, but just some of those that I like that I think are good for someone that's sort of in in between beginner and sort of intermediate understanding, you know, about cannabis kind of where they can go forward. And so, yeah, I hope it's a useful tool to people. Um, and I've already gotten word that at least, um, one college is planning on using it, um, for a course. So I'm really excited about that. That's sort of my main intention writing the book. I, you know, I was giving these workshops, uh, teaching about cannabis science. I developed what would essentially be a semester or two semesters long college level survey of cannabis science, and um, I needed a textbook. And so I wrote this book. And so to see schools start to notice that and um, appreciate that is one of the the best things so far I've experienced to see that it's, it's really getting out there and that it's going to hopefully influence a new generation of people that are trying to wrap their heads around, you know, all this stuff.
0: There's a lot. I mean tons of books on growing. Right. There's a ton of books on on all that kind of stuff. But there's really no real in-depth, uh, truthful scientific look at cannabinoids.
1: Not not that's accessible to most people. You yeah. know, there are these three hundred dollar books that are awesome textbooks for pharmacology students, you know, right, that are getting right. PhDs and stuff. Sure. But um,
0: but the average person is not going to sit down with that and even comprehend
1: a exact, lot of it. Exactly. And, and, and that's what I ran into doing these workshops is when I was looking for a textbook. I'm like, well, yeah, like some of these great cannabinoid researchers like Vincenzo DiMarzo, uh, who's one of the first people to characterize endocannabinoid systems, written great textbooks. Um, but unfortunately, they're just not and they're not meant to be. They're just not accessible to a lay audience. And so I'm hoping that Curious About Cannabis is a stepping stone um, for people to, you know, digest the most. What I think are some of the most important, you know, conversations happening among researchers that are really in the weeds with all of this. And if they want to take that further, then hopefully, if they do go pick up, you know, one of these more intense, in-depth books, that they'll have the foundation to work from to understand what they're reading in the first place.
0: Um, real quick, do you want to just? tell how people can get that book so yeah
1: can. sure um so probably the easiest thing to remember is you can just go on the podcast website cacpodcast.com yeah. there's also a link maybe this will be easier to remember i don't know but curiousaboutcannabisbook.com oh okay we'll take you straight there too it's on amazon it's on barnes and noble um you know those sort of platforms too um you know a lot of people are sensitive about buying things from the major retailers and i get that so I've got my own inventory that people can buy from me. Ultimately, some amount of your money ends up going to some major companies because that's the only way to do business. But if you want to prevent you know a good chunk of of money from these sales going to places like Amazon, then you can buy direct from me too sure. uh, through the website. And we have uh, we actually have a new store that um, the partner company over Curious about Cannabis, Natural Learning Enterprises, uh, just launched a merch store, and you can get the book there too. And that's store.naturaledu.com.
0: Okay. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. All right. So you can check it out there. So let's get into some juicy stuff, man. So you were talking, we were talking before the show that uh, feds, man. Yeah. They're being dicks again, (laughs) as they say. So in the CBD hemp world, um, some Delta 8 stuff, you want to explain that?
1: Yeah. So it's basically what's going on. Is the DEA issued a um, yeah, interim rule policy update? Call it what you will. And basically, they sent out a note that said, "Here's how we interpret the law and what we're about to, you know, do." And it all centered around what are called work in progress extracts, CBD extracts, uh, and um, delta eight THC, are their main focuses. And basically, what they said in a nutshell is that if a CBD extract ever at any point in the production process has above 0.3% THC in it, then it's marijuana and uh, falls into their jurisdiction to um, you know enforce law against. And then when it comes to the Delta-8 THC stuff, um, you know, the Delta eight stuff, these are separate r- related issues. Um, what's been going on with Delta eight THC for anyone who might be unfamiliar, Delta eight THC is pretty much exactly the same as Delta nine THC, except for a double bond is in a different location. Other than that, the molecule is exactly the same. And, um, it does, uh, get people high. It's not the same. It's a, it's a different kind of a, a different type of uh, feeling but it it does cause you know euphoric intoxicating whatever you want to call it effects um causes munchies and stuff like that which delta 8's being looked at therapeutically um just like delta nine was for appetite support and that sort of thing but um you know basically when the farm bill passed a lot of people read the definition of hemp to say that as long as something is derived from hemp any cannabinoids any isomers blah 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 if it's derived from hemp then it is hemp that's not what the law actually says um and i'll come back to that um but taking that misunderstanding of the law um people are like wow we can make you know all sorts of cannabinoids derived from hemp and and sell them and make lots of money and you know do all this and then you had um some some well-intentioned and some nefarious actors that were like hey we can get people high legally so they thought so i mean and this all started years ago um i was getting reports from teacher friends of mine in mississippi maybe three years ago that kids were going to cbd stores and they knew specific products to get that would get them high and when I looked into it, I realized what they were doing is they were hunting down products that had Delta-8 THC in them. So this has been on the radar for a while. Um, and as of the past year and a half or so, people have gotten very, very open about their manufacturing of Delta-8 THC. And uh, you see Delta-8 THC carts openly marketed and, you know, and that sort of thing. Um, all operating from this assumption that if it's hemp derived, it's legal well the problem with Delta 8 is a lot of it is not actually hemp derived formally it a lot of Delta 8 THC is synthetically created from CBD or from other cannabinoids. It's really not that difficult to manipulate these cannabinoids to become other cannabinoids. the molecules are all very similar you're generally you know um, moving double bonds around or saturating things or closing up little aromatic rings or stuff but it's it's not that kind of crazy you know chemistry that you'd have to you know have a lot of special instruments and stuff to do so i'm assuming delta eight though
0: doesn't isn't prevalent naturally in the plant so to speak not usually
1: i mean there are people working on i mean you could probably develop that yeah right and there are people working (laughs) on that i've seen um people share information on social media that they're uh working with plants that are uh, producing Delta eight THC in equal amounts to, um, Delta nine and other stuff. Um, I haven't played with that in the lab, so I don't, you know, some of that I can't speak, uh, very well to, but I do know that breeders are working on that. But for the most part, Delta eight is usually a, um, kind of breakdown product of THC, um, generally the the molecule like moving that double bond it doesn't take much energy to do that so just like how thc might break down to cbn and breakdown isn't even the right word but it's the easiest thing for people to conceptualize sure um you know it can you know sort of degrade into cbn it can also degrade into delta eight so you might would see some um significant concentrations of delta eight in old cannabis you know it's the same as you might would see with cbn sure Um, but that's changing. But the the way that these bulk amounts of Delta-8 are being made, it is primarily synthesis. And I've seen people argue this on the internet, but based on my experience in, in the lab and my contacts with other people working in cannabis testing labs that are testing Delta-8 and working with producers, um, across the board, it seems very consistent that it is being synthetically manufactured. The problem with that, another thing that I... Um, I'm hearing from friends of mine in the testing labs is that a lot of these Delta-8 THC distillate products, um, have all sorts of miscellaneous compounds in them that they can't identify. Um, and they assume they might be like exo THC or some other, um, forms of THC or possibly, um, you know, sometimes when you're doing synthetic chemistry, you can end up, um, You know sort of like sticking two molecules together through what are called like ester bonds and that sort of thing and so you get these side reactions these chemical byproducts that we don't understand very well and in some cases we can't even identify um and so from a public health and safety perspective that's concerning because we don't know what people are consuming and what that is possibly doing to them
0: so during these conversions and stuff and this synthesizing basically mm-hmm. these things that are created still end up in the final product
1: yes okay yeah um and i for the really um, knowledgeable chemists out there that are making very pure delta 8 thc i'll say that's not the case for all producers there are producers that um when they make their product and they get it tested, the chromatograms look very clean. Mm-hmm. Um, so just like with anything, you've got those knowledgeable chemists out there making really good clean product and you've got the sort of more um, uh, lax chemists or people that don't have chemistry experience that have just looked up some tech off of sure. you know, <laughs> a forum yeah. or something and yeah. are running with it and they have dirtier products. Um, but the, the big problem of all of this is that delta 8 is being synthetically manufactured it's it's essentially a synthetic drug manufacturing process and these delta 8 thc products have been making it to other countries they've been exported and so you have other countries contacting the united states saying what the hell why you know are people getting these thc products and you know using them to get high and everything and skirt the law so that got the dea's attention because they were getting these reports from other countries about delta 8 thc products and um that seemed just because of the way things the timing has worked out, that seems to have really sparked them to um really start to think about taking enforcement action. So this goes back to the definition of hemp. The actual definition of hemp says that hemp and all of its derivatives, isomers and blah, 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 have to be below 0.3%. Mm-hmm the way that's laid out is very important because you know basically spells out that anything if it ever has more than 0.3 thc it's no longer hemp so that gives the dea some strong power there to enforce because anybody that's familiar with cbd extract manufacturing knows that i mean you, you when you concentrate the cannabinoid fraction of the hemp plant, you're going to exceed 0.3% very quickly, very easily. Now, it usually always gets diluted down in the final product and pushed, that concentration gets pushed back down. Um, but the work in progress extract um, is technically not hemp. It's technically not legal. And that's not an interpretation by the DEA. It's not the USDA. It is how the farm bill is was written. Um, And this kind of issue has come up time and time again, when people got upset about the fact that total THC was gonna be used instead of Delta-9 THC. Well, that's in the farm bill. And I've argued with people on social media about this that don't wanna believe me. It's in the testing sections of the farm bill. And it's very explicit that when THC is reported by a lab, it has to represent uh, decarboxylated THC. Um, So total THC it is. So people were up in arms trying to make comments, trying to change the law. Well, Congress is the only you know, body that's gonna be able to change the farm bill. And that's what really needs to change. Then um, you know, uh, other things have, have come up repeatedly where people you know, sort of get upset and wanna bother the USDA or something. But so this is another example where the DEA is simply taking the language of the farm bill and applying it as written um and it's highlighting the deficiencies of the farm bill from the industry's perspective um and it's got people worried so the dea has said that um you know they're basically about to start going after um illegal hemp products that are actually marijuana and that includes um these in-process cbd extracts um and As an aside, they're also prioritizing looking at Delta-8 THC manufacturing.
0: So are these guys going to be able to have the opportunity to extract the material away from that stuff, or is it just because it's present? It's trash. I mean, how, how are they going to give these people an opportunity to?
1: Well, it's, it's about process engineering. There are ways you can deal with this um, right
0: but is that legal can you take this mm-hmm. stuff out or leave it behind or whatever yeah yeah it yeah, takes yeah. And then- yeah
1: there, are, there are ways so um you know one option is rather than concentrating rather ha- than having a concentrated extract you could theoretically um you know, this is common in like alcohol extraction um essentially dilute like create an extract but it's a diluted extract so the concentration is actually even lower um, get that essentially that tincture put into another form MCT oil or whatever you're wanting you know to be your main carrier and then you could remove you know alcohol or whatever mm. out that way there are ways you could engineer your processes to deal with this problem okay but the so, problem is that no one has done that sure no I get that <laughs> I just wanted to make sure
0: that they haven't made it to where you're kind of in a corner where you know you you don't you're not able to process it out or extract it out whatever it is yeah uh or or you know what i'm saying like right 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 like if you're above the point zero
1: it's not going to shut down the industry and that's what people are scared of is that this basically shuts down the cbd industry because there's no way to get the extracts and make that's what i'm saying yeah and that's that's not the case it's going to require ingenuity it's going to require going back to the drawing board a little bit and thinking about how you use your equipment and what the process flows look like well they're going to have to test for um, they're already testing for delta eight
0: because that that falls under total Uh, THC I imagine but no it
1: doesn't so the Delta 8 thing is a little weird um the Delta 8 thing it doesn't count as total THC yet I expect that that will change I expect so there's there are a lot of legislators that are frustrated that this Delta 8 quote-unquote loophole has existed I expect that either in a couple years when the farm bill is updated or four years after that that rather than trying to define all of these different variations of THC they're going to say that the that what THC means is the entire class of THC compounds which is going to include delta 8 delta 10 everything exo- all we these. Don't know about yeah exactly all all of these potential yeah yeah i think i think that's the direction they're going to go in the long term and it's just a matter of how long does it take to get there um, which i've been warning people about for a long time and um, people get comfortable um and I think underestimate the feds when it comes to this kind of stuff but anyway um yeah the delta 8 thing um a lot of labs test for it now because it's a main product and you can have that tested if you're buying delta 8 you could send it to a lab and see how clean the test results are by looking at the chromatograms and see if there are hidden components in there but It doesn't get you past this fact that most delta-8 on the market is synthetically derived um, which the dea does not look nor the fda (laughs) looks favorably on and views it as a public health and safety risk as well as um, they have a legal argument to say that it's not even hemp derived Um, so that's in a nutshell what's going on with the dea Um, you know there's this comment period now like there always is and there's big industry push to try to make their case of why the dea shouldn't be involved and everyone's like all oh, the feds are you know um stepping over these boundaries that were laid out and it's like no they're not really you know you just have to really be careful about how you read these laws and understand how they're going to be interpreted um and you have to try to put down your rose colored glasses <laughs> when you're reading these laws and recognize that you know bottom line is that the the DEA or, or the
0: feds or whoever are going to interpret it right down to the exact detail.
1: Exactly. They're gonna yeah. And so
0: you're gonna have to too. Yeah. I mean exactly because the government will make sure that if there's a loophole or if there's some if there's just room like, just yeah. like they're doing. Yeah. You know, it reads this way, this is what we're gonna do. Yeah. And so And <laughs> and
1: you know what I what I really push people to do is you know, you can send all your comments all you want to the DEA. It's not gonna do anything i don't think i don't think their position is going to change at all i think what needs to happen right now if you're not happy about that is you need to talk to your congressional leaders and put pressure on them because they're the only ones that are going to be able to change the law um well the feds ain't going to push them no (laughs) and and you know this relates to everything if you're upset about the 0.3 thc limit if you're upset about the total thc issue you know all of these different things congress is who you need to go to um everything else is wasted energy, really. Um, and so I don't know, so that's, that's been a thing that's been sort of hot on the, the cannabis press lately. Um, and I wish I had better news for people, but it, it comes down to long term planning, like, you know, with the Delta eight market, it's like, did people really think that's gonna just last, you know, that Delta eight's just gonna be accepted? And you know, like, oh, we got them. It's legal, technically. Uh, no. <laughs> Seems like they would have
0: jumped on the Delta-8 when they were putting all that Spice and K, well, what is you it? you know, the,
1: the K2 and K2, all the, yeah, yeah, the synthetic cannabinoids. Seems like
0: they would have jumped on the Delta-8 back then instead of all that bullshit.
1: Yeah, well, back then. There was no you, farm bill. <laughs> there was no farm bill, but also when Spice and K2 and everything was really popular, I mean, you could buy bulk amounts of powdered synthetic cannabinoids off the internet, and it was legal, um so it was cheap and easy to make those products um whereas with delta eight you know if you're synthesizing and everything it you know it it does take some investment and learning and everything to do even though it's not that complicated it is much more you know complicated than some other basic stuff
0: well and i've noticed too that a lot of this chemistry equipment really wasn't it was available to consumers but not like it is now right and like it, now you can scroll through instagram and it'll be a <laughs> you know a, a ad for some company that sells every kind of beaker oh, yeah, and yeah and tube and and, and there's and a column and you know that you can just buy like that yeah
1: but, and the the quote-unquote texts, the t-e-k-s the texts are are all there you know yeah. ready for you to you know, download or buy from somebody. Yeah, it reminds me of the days of, um, you know, studying psychedelics and stuff. Cause I see that term used a lot, you know, all these different methods of extractions and stuff. Um, and it's funny now to see it in the cannabis space, but you know, Delta eight. So there was a book that came out, I think in the, either the seventies or the eighties. And I hope I don't get the title wrong. I think it was called marijuana alchemy, but it was one of the early books on cannabis chemistry. And it talks about all these things, you know, all these isomers and stuff of THC, how you can make them, you know. So, yes, the knowledge about Delta-8 and all these things, it's been around a long time. But now just everything's sort of come together to give it its moment to shine. But I don't think that moment's going to last very long.
0: No, not with the feds out there. All right. So we're talking about synthesizing and stuff. You know, people put a lot of shit in drugs. Um, I, I know that is uh kind of a sidetrack but if you think about it like i remember back in the day you know well we talked about spice k2 yeah um uh, there's always something there's always something you know coke's always been you know got some oh yeah some what is it uh, notorious laxative or or baby powder or some shit um i know Fuck. back in the day there was people that were selling meth with msm in it Mm -hmm. and stuff like that um
1: you know like um mdma um ex- i prefer to actually call it ecstasy because it's so rare that you actually get pure mdma on the street but right um right. you know that's notorious Sure. For a lot of mdma on the street is caffeine <laughs> um but sometimes it's so much, well, much I've even more
0: various things i've even had yeah ecstasy mdma whatever where it was just meth mm-hmm, where it was yeah just, uh, mm-hmm. pilled up meth mm-hmm. um which is kind of a <laughs> yeah that sucks there's uh,
1: probably a lot of people out there that have done meth and don't know it um if they right. if, if they've done molly. right yeah. right
0: absolutely and that's the other thing molly that, mm-hmm. it, you know i've had molly and that seems to be different than even mdma it's
1: supposed to be the same <laughs> but that's where you get into molly the, seems dirty to me that yeah. just
0: seems like the the crackheads version of mdma it's just (laughs) it's just one of
1: those things you get into these like weird colloquial terms that take on their own definitions yeah which leads me to this so we were talking about this before the show so what are they doing with freaking dabs now oh lord um so at least on the black market um there's become a trend that's really disturbing where uh there's like fake shatter being sold on the market And essentially what it is, is either pure or diluted, uh, pine rosin or pine resin. Um, and the same shit they used to put on baseballs,
0: (laughs) (laughs) you know, it's, that seems more like pull and snap than it does shatter to me.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, (laughs) that's one of the ways that um people
0: that unless it dries out to be like
1: shatter yeah so generally what they'll do is melt it down uh you know and then put it in a tray like you would shatter and then let it uh re-harden well it doesn't totally get hard and that's, one that's of, what i mean it's like pull and snap yeah i mean and that's one of the ways that um seasoned users recognize it on the street when you handle it in your hands it doesn't feel like, like cannabis resin, resin. um You know it's very pliable Mm. and um is not as um clear you know really strong and on the pinene (laughs) terps. right yeah (laughs) and i mean it's 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 really disturbing because dude it's fire man these compounds that are in pine resin um so the inhalation toxicity of pine resin has been um, pretty well studied because So the, there's people that have done this. <laughs> well, think about factories that deal with like lumber or, oh, okay. um, I see, I see. And you know, other things that pine resin is used for. You have to control for inhalation exposure because um, you know, these, these heavy um, compounds that are in the resin, they just to put it, very bluntly, it gunks up your lungs. Yeah, you know, seems sticky. Yeah, it it definitely does. It, it and there are compounds in there that are, um, you know, kind of like mixed polarity compounds too that um don't necessarily want to pass into the bloodstream through the lungs and stuff. So it can do really really damaging things to the lungs, um, and it can cause like lipoid pneumonia symptoms and stuff. And it can actually cause symptoms very similar to um what we saw last year the valley patients the um you know the folks that were getting sick off of vape pens um that same condition that was happening um the pine resin can cause that too and in people that are in states like where i'm from in mississippi they're particularly susceptible in these areas where there's still not much cannabis regulation or medical cannabis legalization or cannabis legalization so um typically in states like that the cannabis users are more naive in the first place just because they haven't been exposed to necessarily a lot of these products um that we would be exposed to out here so they don't have the experience to know when something looks wrong or if it smells wrong you know that sort of thing so they're easier to um to fool in that way um and that's
0: like taking the next step past vitamin e oil (laughs)
1: No it, it really is. You know I mean like yeah. we're putting
0: vitamin E in cartridges like fuck it let's put some pine <laughs> resin in them dabs.
1: <laughs> it's it's it blew my mind. I mean there were folks talking about this early on. I remember uh Murphy Murray who was out of Colorado that I interviewed on the podcast. Um, she talked about this some time back, I want to say like last year or something and I was noticing some of the stuff. So some of the industry heads that work in the extraction space caught on to this sooner than um, anyone else. And then this year in 2020, there's actually a research study published um, where researchers found these contaminated extracts, looked at them, you know, identified these markers that you would find in pine resin, um, particularly these, um, these technically terpenoids, these kind of heavy acidic terpenoids um, that you would never find in a cannabis extract. Um, but you can. So, one thing that's interesting about this is that this may lead to cannabis testing labs having some markers to uh, test for these contaminants in the future. But also, it's not like black market extracts are going to come through the lab anyway. So, Labs might be able to be a resource to for people to check their own stuff. If you're in a state that has labs, which sure. If you're in Mississippi, you don't have access to a lab, so once again, that becomes null. But um, it is leading to some greater awareness and and some technologies we can use, some information and um, methods we can use to hunt down these um, these contaminants in the future, which at least makes products on the legal markets. Um, safer because one thing i saw on social media was uh people were getting upset and they were like stop talking about this because it only affects the black market and it doesn't affect the legal market because everything's tested in the legal market and i'm like you really think labs are testing for pine resin in in the legal market like no test for mold right like (laughs) it would not be hard for a product to actually pass testing um you get into other issues, though, in the legal market as far as, you know, most companies that have gone as far as to get their license and everything, they have a lot on the line, so they're probably not incentivized to, you know, get into contaminated products. But not every company is in that position. And some companies that are operating in the legal market um, are fine doing shady shit as long as they can get away with it. And if they lose their license, they don't care. And they just move on to something else. Sure. Um, so I, I would not... Um, I think it's slightly naive to assume this isn't happening at all in the legal market. Um, But there are, you know, good forces at play to discourage people from doing it. But this idea that products are tested and so you don't have to worry about pine resin in your shatter, Like, unfortunately, that's not the case. And it comes back to this thing we've talked about a lot with testing that, you know, you don't test for everything. You only test for what you know to look for. And that's always going to evolve, you know, over time. And so this, mentality that we sometimes have that if it's tested it's clean and safe that's just not the case no
0: not at all and
1: (laughs) i just can't imagine (laughs) pine resin in my shit well and and from what i've heard from people that have actually smoked this stuff um is that you realize it in the very first (laughs) the very first hit i got jacked (laughs) well and have you ever um smoked a vape pen like especially the early vape pens when the vape pens first came on the market and you get a wick hit that like you're not actually getting any extract but you're just burning something in the pen and it feels like you've just inhaled like heated motor oil or something
0: yeah and you lost two years of your life right there right that's
1: um people that have had that experience have said on social media and stuff that um those experiences are very similar that when you take a hit of this pine resin dab you feel. I mean, you cough a lot. It hurts. It doesn't taste right. You know. So, it also comes back to this very basic quality issue that if you're smoking something and it feels wrong and it tastes wrong, like stop. Yeah, like, that's you, you then know, it is probably wrong. Trust your body in the, in that context. Um, but some people, like I said, especially naive users, they don't know. They don't know that that's not the way it's supposed to taste or and that's not the experience, and so they keep pushing it assuming they're supposed to you know have some positive experience and um so yeah for anyone listening that's in a, a state where um things aren't legal in black market yeah you're relying on black market stuff um yeah be wary of shatter um it's stupid that you should have to worry about that but it is what it is
0: sure sure um and if it's not that, it's probably something else. Oh,
1: yeah. It'll move to something else. It's always, I mean, and that's the black market game, you know. And like I said, it's not just black market, you know, types of fraud and contaminants and stuff. It exists on so many levels in legal markets, too. Yes. But it's it's just different. There's, like I said, those internal pressures that at least help keep a lot of it out.
0: It would be nice at some point, And I'm sure it will get this way someday because things get cheaper and cheaper and cheaper as things move on and, and such. But it would be nice to have affordable access affordable testing access for consumers yeah i mean it's getting mm-hmm. there already you know but it would be nice to at some point be able to have yeah ways to even if it's simple tests, you know like mm-hmm. that like test for certain types of lipids or whatever mm-hmm. whatever it is yeah um, well, and i think we'll start to see more of these because like... it would be nice to be able to walk in and be like look you know i did Got this on the black market but i'd like it
1: tested and, mm-hmm. you know. and, the, and these kind of models exist already for street drugs like there are places you can go and drop off your you know your quote-unquote mdma and have it tested anonymously and which and is pretty out. cool yeah yeah and so so that model exists and I'm, I'm sure that'll get picked up and it also goes back to I believe maybe the last time I was on the podcast, I don't remember, but something I've advocated for a while is that there need to be, outside of the commercial cannabis testing labs, there need to be these independent, public safety focused, um, essentially research labs that spend their time investigating and then um, getting that information out to the commercial labs as well as regulators and the public and everything. (laughs) Almost like
0: a Consumer Reports for weed.
1: Yeah, yeah. (laughs) You know what I mean? Where they actually you know absolutely and um as products all the products as products get more and more complex i mean this is desperately needed in the dietary supplement market and to a degree exists but dietary supplement markets i mean the wellness industry in general i mean half the herbs that you see sold um as like herbal supplements and stuff, you know, half or more of that is fraudulent. Most that's, of it's not the plants you think it is, Most, see, you know. And
0: see, that's the thing. I talked about this with, with Green Earth Medicinals, the, yeah. the people that you work with uh, or have worked with. And that's one thing he brought up over and over again is that basically half the industry is fraud. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and it, it goes so deep. Like it, it might not be this right material. It might be the right material, but the wrong mm-hmm. way to grow it, mm-hmm. the wrong part of the plant. Uh, they didn't concentrate it right. There's so many fraudulent factors and variables in there that it's no wonder you don't get a lot of help—not help, but a lot of medical relief from mm-hmm. the herbal market. Yeah, because you got to find the right mm-hmm. shit to buy first. Yep, that's legitimate and, and hope and it's then, processed the right way. And, 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 yeah, and all the way down the line, and then you have a chance to actually have it work so unless you're pulling it out of the ground and chewing on it right there who (laughs) knows well and And that's sad because a lot of those things are expensive
1: yes very very expensive and usually low dose too right and so you're just rolling the dice half the time and then
0: doubling up on your dosages to to maybe have it be effective and that's not the way for a consumer to be
1: able to come and find herbal medicine no and, and it's frustrating for you know someone like myself that's really into the science of how medicinal plants and fungi work and you know, I recognize how powerful they can be and, you know, how our thinking around healthcare and stuff needs to evolve to, you know, better incorporate these things in the, in the right place. But it's really hard to advocate for herbal medicine when you know that most of the public is exposed to inferior product all the time. And when I interviewed uh, Dr. Kevin Spellman um, early on in the podcast, we talked about this, but you know, beyond fraud, you have the fact that most supplements most herbal extracts are sold at dosages. And this is the case with CBD too, are sold at dosages that are so low that to actually get real serious therapeutic benefit, you'd have to take most of the bottle in one dose. Um, and, you know, part of that's like a safety thing. Um, but that, that causes real issues when you're trying to, get these things accepted in a in a clinical setting um so you know we have a long way to go um and just like with everything i'd i'd prefer the way forward be led by an educated consumer base and an educated set of producers pushing all of these industries forward towards you know a better reality um but i'm also realistic in that that's probably not the way it's going to happen and that most likely tougher and tougher regulations are going to be necessary to force some of these things into play which is going to drive up prices which is going to make them more inaccessible to the people that need them so you know it's a tough thing and that's in general if you're interested in medicinal plants it's really good to um study what makes a good um herbal product depending on what it is and then trying to find um farms and things you trust you know and maybe local farms even. exactly yeah
0: and you can even find out how to process it yourself mm-hmm. i mean we yeah had, you know one thing that i think people should keep open-minded about is a lot of these processes aren't too complicated Mm-mm. you might have to have a couple tools or whatever but m- for the most part a lot of the tools that you'll have will cross over to different mm-hmm. herbs that you can use yep. to process so really if if people have the time and, and ambition, finding out how to either grow the herbs you want mm-hmm. or learn how to process it yourself or something that might be a, an option there too and, as well. And there are all sorts of good- Or local farms. Yeah, you know?
1: and there are all sorts of good books out there that, um, you know, especially like in the um, functional integrative medicine space, you know, people have done the work to compile a lot of this information in. I mean, there's a really, it's an old book, um, but it's one I have in my library that um, once again, I'm gonna screw up the title, but it's something simple like a natural products encyclopedia or something, but um, it basically lays out for like all these different medical conditions, what herbs have been formally researched in those conditions and what preparations are best, you know, all these sort of things. So um, the information's out there, um, but a big part of it is recognizing that, you know, when it comes to what you see in the stores, most of the time you're either being lied to or given the wrong thing. And if you can just empower yourself a little bit, you'll know how to hone in on the right thing. Um, and there are companies out there that are doing things the right way and um, are backed by, you know, pretty solid science. Um, and those companies will become very obvious once you, you know, understand some basic things to look for.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, and half the shit comes from China, right? Yeah,
1: China and India. Which is interesting
0: and, because a lot of that herbal stuff came from, back east or far east whatever right you call it. yeah but, uh,
1: well and this actually touches on a very it's something that's been on my mind a lot lately um the idea of um eco region specific herbal medicine you know it's not a sustainable path forward to be importing so many medicinal herbs and everything from all over the world and uh, vice did an uh, an article recently on white sage and how, um, a lot of people in my generation that are kind of in the, um, spiritual and wellness, you know, sort of spaces, um, they like wild crafting. <laughs> so they, uh, go out, uh, to wild areas and collect their own sage to make smudge sticks and stuff. Mm-hmm. And that has totally decimated the wild, uh, sage populations in terrible, terrible ways. Um, likewise with like, um, uh palo santo would you know these these things that oftentimes our cultures like to adopt from other cultures from other places in the world and say like this is part of my wellness routine um well you know you always have to think like what if everyone behaved the way i did and like what would happen we're already seeing the effects that uh, a lot of this isn't sustainable so i really encourage people to look into the ethnobotanical information specific to their region. I mean, there are people that have lived where you are most likely uh, for a very long time and have learned about the medicinal properties of native plants that grow in your region. And then, um, and there's, you know, just like with cannabis, there's so many alternatives to medicinal plants. You don't necessarily need a specific plant. You know, um, you just need to understand Uh, what the potential of all these different plants are and how to balance things out you know if you find something that works for you but doesn't grow in your area and is causing you know environmental problems and stuff well most likely you're going to find something um that will work you know or you can find something that even though it maybe is from somewhere else maybe it grows well in your area and maybe there are local farms that are propagating it out so understanding how things are sourced and you know and all of that is is extremely important um and something that's just really been thinking a lot about um well
0: and and i don't i can't say this about all herbs but a lot of them are fairly easy to grow
1: a lot of the common ones Um, we we use yeah yeah. and Mm -hmm. so
0: like for instance like the sage we grow own sage this year Mm -hmm. it was very easy yeah me too very easy and you know bucket full of decent soil yeah little water and it grew crazy and we clipped it hung it dried it properly yep. and wrapped it and it, it's yep. fine yep. so i mean there are options like sage to mm-hmm. where you can grow your own fairly simply mm-hmm. um and and in even if you have to buy a dollar and a half little you know two inch <laughs> right uh seedling yeah uh, that still saves a lot of money
1: and like um yeah i mean a lot of these plants um sort of like cannabis they just um they're opportunistic plants lemon balm is a great example lemon balm has so many great compounds in it has a lot of good therapeutic applications and you plant it once it's going to become a huge bush and it's going to spread everywhere um so yeah it's just about being more thoughtful and mindful
0: um so is lemon balm the same as lemongrass no okay so because that's the other thing we grow Mm -hmm. to process is lemongrass yeah same thing with lemongrass i buy a tiny little Two inch little seedling at the beginning of the year, mm-hmm. this thing turns into a yeah. huge bush by like now.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And during July and August, I'll pluck off stems and I'll just run it through a press. You could also yep. uh, steam, yeah. you know, um, distill, and, distill it. Yeah. But I just run it through a press, and voila! I've got cups of citronella.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yep. And we use them for candles. I don't have to buy a candle for our. Board. Yeah, that's you know, awesome. I'll just, yeah. we'll just put it into a candle we make. And all kinds of easy stuff. You know, we, we actually put it on like you can put it's so strong that you can put just a little bit on your body mm-hmm. and it's just like the spray. Yeah. So that's really easy. And in a press, we'll will do a lot of things. You can mm-hmm. press a lot of different
1: herbs. Yeah, it's not absolutely. the most
0: efficient thing. It but, just um, depends
1: on the plant, you know, depends if, on
0: the plant. But also, too, you can buy simple and setups that will do steam distillation mm-hmm. and you yeah. can extract yes, it that way.
1: Steam distillation is not a complicated mm-hmm. process at no. all no really. um, i mean you're literally running steam across something and condensing the 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 steam and and separating it out i mean it's it's yeah really 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 simple most people could could do in their kitchen pretty easily and man yeah and it just seems like coming from
0: like you said the kind of the culture that you have in your Mm -hmm. age group with the whole more of the nature connection uh seems like that might be an option Mm -hmm. if they just should be considered yeah um
1: (laughs) (laughs) you know it's just one of those things um and i also have a kind of an issue with i don't know i I can see this from different perspectives but something that's really common in my age group particularly and honestly it stems back to uh, many iterations you could say it was an issue with uh, people that were my age in the 60s and 70s too but this appropriation of the health and spiritual tools of one culture and taking them and adopting them into another when you just don't have the uh, cultural awareness and history background, all that sort of stuff to really understand what you're doing, what you're, you know, uh, why these cultures, you know, value these things, how they source all these different details around it. You know, we see like, you know, back in the 60s, like, oh, what are the gurus doing? What are they burning? Oh, I need to get some of that incense. I I need to, you know, do this. I got to start, you know, clearing the energy, you know, the way, you know, all these different things. And I'm just like, you know, there's a lot to be said for developing your own rituals, your own Mm. tools, your own, you know, way that is appropriate Mm. to where you are, who you are, who you're with and everything. And so, some of this stuff, you know, going back to that Vice article about Sage and and Palo Santo Wood and stuff, and even in some contexts, cannabis and psychedelics and other things like that, it's like, you know, um, rather than being so desperate to feel initiated into a sort of particular, yeah, a particular mode of exploring spirituality or health and wellness and everything, like, you know, these cultures put in the work to yeah. develop their own right. tools and ways yeah. of doing things like why can't we put in our own, our own. work oh too, sure you know? and i think you should
0: i yeah. think that's I, i've done that specifically with psychedelics is, mm-hmm. is kind of putting my own work um I, I think that uh i think though too the one point i want to make here is is also when you do those things you're connected to your medicine mm-hmm. and i often wonder if medicine doesn't work better when you're connected to it um as a gardener
1: that's something i very i feel very very yeah yeah. so
0: i feel like a lot of times i like my goal is to try to grow as much of my as much of my own medicine as i can Mm -hmm. the the uh lemongrass Mm -hmm. the uh the sage um all the fruits and vegetables that we grow yeah uh, all that goes back to being connected to the plant that we're consuming Mm -hmm. same with cannabis Yeah. Like there's no better feeling for me to grow my own cannabis and then have my own cannabis that I'm then using as medicine, whether it be for edibles or smoking or topicals or whatever. Mm -hmm. Just a much better connection. And I feel like that because you have that connection and you spent that time putting your love and nurturing the plant, Mm -hmm. it's going to, I would assume... I is think going so. to see the same back. I mean just uh, just
1: the fact that set and setting is so yeah. such a big deal for anything in life yeah <laughs> but sure. um you know definitely in in medicine and stuff that's such a big deal like it it has to have a strong effect because your psychology when you're using that product compared to your psychology, when you're, you've just gone to a store and bought something and taken it, it's just very different. Mm. You're, just the way you see it and what you feel and everything, it's just um, well, it's it, just all different.
0: Here's a strong analogy for it, is it's like uh, meat eaters. So if you eat a lot of meat, but you don't hunt for it, mm-hmm. yeah. in a mm-hmm. lot of ways, you're disconnected. You're yeah. disconnected from where it comes from, you're disconnected from how it happens, you're mm-hmm. disconnected from how it's processed. You're disconnected from the actual death of the animal mm-hmm. and i'm not saying that you know oh i want to you know i have to go out and kill something so that i can enjoy the meat that's <laughs> not what i mean i no, mean I would, yeah. but there is a certain amount of disconnection mm-hmm. from where that nutrition comes from absolutely and if you can get more connected to it uh like a, a hunter that actually uses all the meat and stuff i think for that hunter he's probably a lot closer to that food Mm-hmm. In a lot of ways, the people that just go down to Fred Meyer's or Walmart and buy, you know, a pound of hamburger, throw it in the pan, and there's no connection there. Yeah, they, you have real no Absolutely. idea where the animal came from. You don't know how it was treated. You mm-hmm. had no part of it. You didn't love the animal. You didn't feed the animal. You yeah. just are literally consuming the nutrition in a real simple, easy way. It's in a lot of ways, it's like fast food mm-hmm. that you cook. Yeah, you know so um again it's a strong analogy uh and you know you don't have to kill an animal to be connected but but it's kind of the same thing Uh, you know you're killing your plant when i harvest those plants i actually feel bad Mm -hmm. you know i've grown i literally start in february i harvest in october november that's nine months yeah of growing the same
1: plant seeing it every day yeah
0: working with it and watered it every day Mm -hmm. everything and so Yeah, there's a certain amount of connection. So when I go to harvest, there's a certain amount of melancholy or sadness Mm -hmm. or whatever. Absolutely, yeah. Um, But that's part of the cycle,
1: right? Exactly. That's circle of life.
0: Now, going back to this, I didn't didn't want to leave this out, is that, you know, these synthetic things, adding stuff to things, they actually do Mm -hmm. that with psychedelics, too. Yes. Now, we talked about this before, too, as well. Like you know, uh, recently we got a hold of some really clean acid that doesn't come around very often. Some windowpane, and it was very clean. Now you were telling me though that a lot of times even LSD can come mm-hmm. fake.
1: Yeah. So the terms like acid, LSD, um, and spinning out into other things like um, mescaline, mescaline, ketamine. you know, yeah, a lot of these terms are used. Um, Colloquially, to describe an experience, not a compound, um, if that makes sense. And cannabis is the same way. Um, So, you'll, you know, what I was talking about before the podcast is um, when I was, you know, more heavily exposed to a lot of this um, when I was in college, something that was really common in the festival scenes is that um, quote unquote mescaline would be sold. And um, which at the time was very exciting to me because I had recently read a lot of Aldous Suxley's work and stuff. I was like, ooh, mescaline, cool. Um, but it turned out that um, a lot of what was being sold as mescaline was a variety of these designer phenethylamine compounds like 2CB or 2CI, 2CT, 2CT7, all these different, different ones that produce psychedelic effects. They are psychedelics. Um, but they're essentially designer psychedelics um, that at the time were you know very cheap and easy to make um for a while and still certain psychedelics if you stay on the fringe of what's being designed a lot of these things end up being legal for a while sure that you can buy in bulk powder online etc so it's very easy to be motivated to sell um you know a really cheap easy to source psychedelic as something that has more brand recognition like LSD or mescaline or something. Um, so ab- absolutely. Um, there's all sorts of, uh, fraud and contaminant issues with psychedelics. And most people that use psychedelics regularly, um, know this simply because, um, you get dialed into, um, the types of physiological and psychological sure, effects that cer- sure. certain psychedelics have you can tell the difference between psilocybin and LSD oh, yeah you know all these different things so Absolutely. Um, you, you can tell when something s- feels more right or, or not um, right And going back to this um, you know that there are public services where you can have drugs tested you know that's there are databases you can look up um, where you can see, um psychedelics like acid too that get tested and tells you you know what was actually in there you know versus how it was marketed um so yeah you can't get away from the fraud no matter where you go and even you know the most well-intentioned uh supplier of psychedelics can get duped sometimes
0: yeah absolutely absolutely and it may yeah it makes me wonder some of the times i've tried what i call dirty acid Mm mm-hmm makes me wonder now
1: yeah and and the same issues like with delta 8 when you're creating um some of these psychedelics you know particularly something like lsd where you might be extracting um a precursor from something you know like morning glory seeds or hawaiian baby Mm -hmm. woodrow seeds or something and then synthetically converting that to lsd you know you end up with side reactions and byproducts and stuff just just like with you know so it is dirty in that sense. Like you have multiple, potentially multiple psychedelic compounds in in one thing, uh, doing different things um, and affecting the experience. So, you know, it just goes back to one of the things I try to point out over and over and over again when I do education about cannabis or psychedelics or, or you know medicinal plants, whatever. It's all the same. Like all of these things we talk about apply to everything else too, um, and just sometimes we haven't necessarily had reason to really look into it that deeply or think about it um, no but it makes you you know makes you think that mushrooms might be the better way to go <laughs> well that's you know that's one reason why you know uh, personally you know that's what I like to focus on because I can trust it
0: yeah absolutely and, and and in a lot of ways I do prefer uh, mushrooms I do believe like one thing about mushrooms that I don't get from acid acid seems to be superficial it seems to be like mushroom's big brother that likes to show off you know what i mean he's (laughs) like yeah i'm bigger i'm better uh but that's it it's all superficial to Mm -hmm. me like there's no sometimes there's some deep profoundness but Mm -hmm. mostly with acid i just learn lessons i become more patient i become more understanding uh stuff like that Mm -hmm. with mushrooms i have more profound experiences in the Mm -hmm. sense of feeling like the oneness and Mm -hmm. the nature and feeling uh being one with the universe type yeah more like metaphysical yeah i get that more with mushrooms uh even the vision seems to be more metaphysical Mm -hmm. and i i guess i would attribute that to being natural just coming from the ground maybe i don't know i don't know but i do get that more from the mushrooms whereas like i said acid is just more superficial a lot of visuals body high blah 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 Mm -hmm. blah but i don't
1: i do feel some oneness don't get me wrong Mm -hmm. i just feel it more with mushrooms well and and you know lsd is a fairly big complex molecule compared to something like psilocybin which psilocybin is just so similar to serotonin and dmt Mm -hmm. that you know it just it interacts with your um, body in a, in a very different way. You know, there's also the fact that we've just like with cannabis have co-evolved with psilocybin um, and DMT. Um, And so that, you know, has to have some role of some sort. Um, you know we can speculate all day about what that role is but
0: now didn't we get like a simplified version of lsd through the rye mold though because it did cause some hallucinations over yeah. in europe didn't it for a, for a time before yeah. they realized it was
1: yeah i mean there's so there's some mixed stories about it but yeah the ergot fungus you know where lsd was like originally um studied S- and, and everything from, there's yeah. There are stories that the salem witch trials got kicked off um because some kids um you know ate some some moldy uh grain and started tripping and well and i've read some stories
0: about some european villages back in the day that a lot of like their crops that would rely heavily on the bread
1: yeah would- and when they Mm -hmm. and
0: then they would have the whole village would be
1: eating the bread right? and and kind of go into a frenzy yeah and and, yeah i don't know how
0: true that is but i heard a lot of that and it seems like Mm -hmm. that's not really connecting with nature but (laughs) (laughs) well i imagine you know the people that originally first had mushrooms how many thousands of years ago that was when they first tripped they probably had the same frenzy until they kind of realized what was going on had some experience got a shaman going Mm -hmm. got some culture going I mean right. the first the first half ate monkey dude or whatever that ate that mushroom and fried <laughs> probably went to a frenzy, like what the fuck is going and probably on? Probably
1: everybody's like, stay away from that guy. <laughs> yeah. Um I yeah. Know. You know, it's it's a fascinating thing to think about um how humans have encountered and re encountered these things over time and how um our relationships to them change over time as We rediscover you know it's like we're in a constant cycle of of rediscovering a lot of natural products time and time again culture to culture and um you know we're in an exciting place right now because um you know the united states is at least a lot of states and cities in the united states are starting to tiptoe into easing up their laws on entheogenic plants and stuff well and so um, the big
0: thing now is that we got enough signatures for the november ballot mm -hmm, for psilocybin in portland or I should say Gordon. natural psychedelics in Portland.
1: Yeah. Which is good. Yeah. It's, um,
0: I would hope Medford would follow, but we got a lot of conservatives here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: But honestly, um, what I have found is that, um, anyone that knows anybody who has been positively impacted by psychedelics, um, it, uh, the, the political persuasion doesn't matter as much. I know, you know, people that, have gone through you know pretty severe mental health issues and have found extreme benefit from psychedelics profound benefit that their families see and everything and when you experience that um, it doesn't really matter whether you're republican democrat independent whatever True. Um, so i think part of this just like with cannabis um, is exposing people to this side of entheogenic plant use that um, cuts more to the core of what most people care about, which is their family, um, you know, or themselves. Um, So, you know, ketamine has kind of been a introductory point for a lot of people with that because ketamine is now available to um, be used therapeutically for different conditions for pain and treatment resistant depression, PTSD and stuff. And so, you know, people can go to L.A and you know um have structured uh psychedelic experiences with ketamine and ketamine is very different than psilocybin or lsd but it you know it does have psychedelic properties for sure i'd like um, to
0: see ayahuasca be able to become a a place where you could do that yeah besides yeah. having to travel halfway across the world
1: yeah ayahuasca is one of those i had a good conversation with a buddy of mine recently we're going back to this idea of like um regionally um appropriate medicines and stuff ayahuasca is one of those i have mixed feelings about because i don't i don't know if it should come out of the jungle and into the cities and suburbs and well stuff. it would
0: definitely take definitely take a shaman and some definite
1: well in in thinking
0: controlled situations and
1: thinking about the sources and stuff the barks and everything that that these you know have to bruiser are composed yeah. of and then the maoi component of an ayahuasca experience is a little dangerous too that i think will hold up that progression a little bit mm. compared to other things sure. maois are very dangerous yeah
0: no, i get it I get <laughs> um it. and you don't want to be on certain other things when you do that right
1: right and and if you know if you're on like an antidepressant ssri or something you know that all will play kind into it um mm. yeah so you know, and to to put into context how dangerous an MAOI can be, I mean, there's the wine and cheese effect. That uh, if you're prescribed an MAOI, you're given a sheet that tells you all these foods you can no longer eat because if you do, your body's not going to metabolize them properly and it'll kill you. And the two most common ones are cheese and wine, and um, I think bananas are one too. I mean, it's like very common foods, um, and so you've got to be careful with MAOIs. And they're taken in ayahuasca settings because. Um, you know, if you just drink d m t your body just like breaks it down yeah, so you, quick and yeah, easy, yeah, so yeah. the m a o i keeps that from happening. it inhibits these enzymes that would normally break those things down, and for someone with depression, it um you know is preventing the breakdown of um you know all of these these compounds that are influencing your your psychology mm-hmm. so yeah the the ayahuasca one I think is gonna have more challenges to overcome um But I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, what's interesting to me, I think Oakland was Oakland, one of those cities that recently uh, decriminalized all entheogenic plants. Yeah, that would be interesting to see. And then, you know, it creates a situation where if someone wants to recreate that experience and make those brews and everything and do that, they can do so without having to worry about going to jail for it, which I'm always a fan of. I'm more a fan of harm reduction than I am. You know, sort of an abstinence, and um, you know, trying to prosecute people and stuff. I, I don't think that actually really dissuades many people from doing what they want to do. I was going to say
0: there's there's no recovery or treatment or yeah. healing in that.
1: But but getting ayahuasca from that setting to like a formal, you know, what they're trying to do with psilocybin and what they've already done with ketamine of like really get it integrated into clinical practice. That's that's going to be a lot more challenging. But we'll see. I mean, I, I expect it to happen in some places.
0: Yeah. I just, uh, I don't ever see myself taking a clinical version of it.
1: It just depends. You know, we've got this, the word clinical elicits certain images. Well, I mean, I
0: mean like actual process. Like I, I see that at some point you're not going to be eating a bag of mushrooms in a clinical setting. They're going to give you an IV and they're going to inject you with some form Maybe. of it. You know what I'm saying? But I don't see you sitting in a clinical setting and just, you know, tossing back mushrooms. Right. Um. It. I mean, maybe at first. It just
1: depends. You know, um, we're in a weird time right now where the way we conceptualize healthcare, mental health, all these sort of things are evolving, thank God, because we've been operating from a kind of terrible place for Mm. decades. Um, But it's evolving. And, you know, I'm connected to the mental health space because my wife is a mental health therapist and stuff. And there's a lot more... People are getting more and more, and by people, I mean like therapists and clinicians are getting more and more open to the idea that their role is more about creating safe environments, you know, more focused on that and less concerned with, um, I don't want to say this the wrong way and have it mi- be misinterpreted, but I could, I could foresee a future where dose control around the amount of psilocybin in mushrooms is not that important to a therapist you know that they may have something where you could come into a setting you could literally eat mushrooms in a clinician's you know whatever they've set up and as long as they know the amount that you're taking regardless of whether they know exactly how much psilocybin is in it as long as they can track some of these data points and as long as they can ensure your safety they may not care, care. that much yeah. um, and it's like I said it's more about setting up this um, safe space to have these experiences and talk through things and and um, and that sort of thing so I don't know we'll see I'm I'm a little optimistic it's going to be a patchwork obviously it's different states different cities handle that sort of thing differently but the way that I see mental health evolving mental health treatment evolving I really actually wouldn't be that surprised if we saw something options like that mm-hmm. in the future um, where it's not, someone handing you a pill of psilocybin but actually giving you the space to actually eat mushrooms sure Um, but we'll see
0: well now on the flip side i would hope that they would give me a pure hit of acid right so on that flip (laughs) right i would hope that they did synthesize something very clean for me at that point right because that would be in those situations that would be better like with heroin or any Mm -hmm. of those hard drugs that may be available in those situations i think that the cleanest if it's going to be a chemical or a synthesized version the cleanest is going to be the best but, yeah and i mean the, but when it comes to nature you know mushrooms and and anything that's an entheogen that comes from nature i don't think should be processed
1: well and, and things that have stood the test of time too like like with psychedelic mushrooms like you're not really worried about you know it's just like with cannabis like people have been doing it for thousands of years there's not a whole lot of surprises there if you just do the work to understand you know what it is and everything um So, yeah, I think these natural entheogenic plants that have been used for a long time, I think it makes sense to, you know, decriminalize that and let people do what they want. And if they break any other laws in the process, if they endanger people, someone runs out in the street and gets hit by a car or whatever, which is very unlikely to happen. But, you know, in these sort of scary scenarios that sometimes people present, well, we have laws to handle you know bad behavior you know or endangering the public and stuff so you don't need additional no you shouldn't restraints and and i've
0: talked to this i talked to this deeply with sarah because again we've had a lot of experience together with different psychedelics Mm -hmm. and i've talked to her numerous times about this we've taken some really good acid and we've been very high uh in in public places Mm -hmm. and unless you are psychologically having a breakdown Mm -hmm. or having an episode or the LSD has put you into a schizophrenic, mm-hmm. you know, or a mental state that's bad, unless you have that, or unless you're completely blasted on like 10 hits mm-hmm. where you're totally, and, and and even then I would argue because at that point you're probably fairly incapacitated. Yeah,
1: you're almost like comatose at that point.
0: Exactly. Um, but unless you got those two conditions, I don't see this this whole story thing about climbing telephone poles, <laughs> jumping off buildings, um or doing any of that crazy stupid. i think i can fly so i jump off Mm -hmm. the cliff i i just don't see that happening i see that more happening with alcohol yeah i hear more times kids jumping off roofs of houses into pools or jumping off this or jumping off a rock somewhere into the Mm -hmm. water that's too high because they're drunk Mm -hmm. i don't see anybody i've never met anybody that jumped off a house into a pool because they're on acid (laughs) just saying yeah so I don't know about those stories. I don't really have much, I don't put much weight into those kind of stories.
1: Well, in my, um, my perspective. But don't get
0: me wrong though, you could have an episode, uh, episodic break. Or, of course. Uh, uh, because of the acid, I get that. But to say that we're gonna have those issues by releasing psychedelics on the public, right. we've already done that to the public with alcohol. Right. We have so many stupid decisions that are made every day. DUIs, people dying, mm-hmm. people losing families people in rehab all the time all from just alcohol yeah so to say that we're doing something bad i mean come
1: on. well and also think, come on. Of, think about what it's what it's like to be tripping and to try to climb up a house exactly <laughs> my point that's the It's like thing. you get a few steps in and you're like what wait, wait am i what am i doing that's the thing <laughs>
0: about acid and mushrooms and and most psychedelics that i've taken is that if if you do take enough you do get a body high that makes you kind of drunk that it's Mm it's very you know your your balance is off you're kind of whoa you know and no you can't just climb mountains man
1: right and you're not in this you can't
0: you can't climb a house you can't do you're (laughs) messed up you can't do that shit and And if you did you'd be like oh fuck
1: right it's not like with alcohol where your inhibitions are so suppressed that you're just like i'm going for it it's like whoa, what's happening? And oh, now I'm scared. Yeah, oh, that's you the thing. Know, with, you know. <laughs> I believe with psychedelics,
0: you're much more vulnerable. And yeah. so you're much more aware and you're also much more aware of yourself. Mm-hmm. And so I think that would just add to the scare part. Like, mm-hmm. oh, shit, this is fucking scary. And it is for me, you know, mm-hmm. the situations where there's times I do doing acid down on the side of the river and I can barely get up the bank mm-hmm. to get some food right. because I'm stumbling a little bit. Right. It becomes so, an
1: epic adventure just to you, try to get some basic well, necessities well, that
0: you have with you. <laughs> exactly. And that's the other thing is there's decisions where I'm like, I'm not doing it. Yeah. I'm not mm-hmm. going up there. Mm-hmm. I know it's only six feet, mm-hmm. but there's a little hill right and i just don't want to do it <laughs> so, <laughs> that little hill to me in my mind is too much yeah yep. plus you have to focus to do it right mm-hmm. so there's a lot of misconceptions about
1: well, you I'm, know you know the, the misconception of like what the psychedelic experience is you know is so rampant because so many people um, He's going to lose his mind. Yeah, don't they don't go there or they don't know people that, that dabble in that. And so they just have no context to Except understand. Except for the
0: propaganda stories that you hear.
1: Exactly. You know. Yeah. And that's the danger of propaganda is it fills in the gaps of experience and knowledge.
0: I'm telling you we need to sit around a fire. Do psychedelics. <laughs> that's awesome. You can find his book at uh, CuriousAboutCannabis.com
1: or uh no sorry? so curious about someone stole the curious about cannabis uh, domain from me a long time ago ah uh, okay
0: all right so <laughs> curious about cannabis you can also find him on ig curious about cannabis. Yep. uh jason wilson we appreciate it brother thanks so much i'm so glad you came on again
1: it was fun as
0: always all right see you next time
1: yep definitely
0: right. i'm higher peaks and you've just listened to the dirt show if you like this episode, please like, share, comment, and go to organrooted.com where you can subscribe to us on your favorite platform like iTunes, Pandora, or Spotify. Also, check us out on our YouTube for videos and IG, Facebook, and Twitter for all our updates. Thank you for listening.